You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Erev Shabbos Kodesh, this must be Rizcha Daraisa. And I, the interviewer, am here with Rabbi Yosef Gabriel Bechofer. Uh, Rabbi Yosef, who are you with here? I am with my tremendous friend and enemy, Avramo <laughs> Kivalevich. Avramo, you have to say Avram Yitzchok, especially this week of Rav Kook's Yorzeit. You have to darmon. I mean, um, who would you be if you wouldn't be Rabbi Yosef Gavriel? I mean, come on. I mean, who would you be? Just Yakama Yosef Ike It's only the 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 Gavriel that really really sells it. That's the point of Avramo. That is your unique. Uh, uh, you know, we all know the Yiddish ditty, someone also told me that he, when, when I told him, you know, my name is Avramo, he says, oh, from the Frisco Kid, the Gene Wilder character in the Frisco Kid, Avramo, Avramo, yes, you're that buffoon who carried a safer Torah all the way across the country. Um, so that's what your parents had in mind before the movie ever existed. Yeah. Listen, I was named I've told this story. I was named after my, my grand uncle Avramo, who was the uh, went, I, I said this story to you already. He he went to serve in my grandfather's place because Shia, my my grandfather, how could he go to war? How could he go serve in military? He he, he took the pin test from Valojin. He was like a Kenchas. How could you send such an Ili? To, to war, how could you send him in a place where he'd become possibly influenced? He's learning Taylor day and night. So my great-grandfather, Abdev Bear, asked my uh, grand-uncle, Avremo, if he would take his place and go into the army. And he did that. Really? So uh, to allow my uh, my grandfather to sit and learn. And uh, to have a, a name, right? So, uh, and uh, I've told this story often, right? How he, I remember you telling the story. Yes, and he promised my mother when um, uh, Avram Nebuch, uh, my namesake, uh, lived in Memphis. He was known as Abe Lewis, Abe Levitch. I'm sorry, Abe Levitch. And um, for some reason, well, he, which army did he go to? He went to the he went to the Polish army. The First World War. I don't remember when it was. No, way before the First World War. We're talking about the 18, 18, late 18, early 1890s. I say, say he lived in Memphis. He came to Memphis in 1909 or something. Was that early? Yes, he was from, the, from that. Oh, your mother's family's in Memphis from when? My father's family. My father's family. I'm confused. You're, well, this you is know your, what? This is you know what? This is not the Kivalevich no, family. No, no, I want to know. Your father's family, I thought your father came after the war. My father and mother both came after the war, but they had relatives that were in Memphis since around 1910 or 1909 or 1910 who had come from Europe. How did they get to Memphis? You know, I'm not exactly sure, but uh, they went with the money. There was some money going on over there. There was somebody who had a connection. Um, I had other relatives um, that were my my great-grandfather. I mentioned Rabdoiv Bear. <laughs> he had 20 children. So from his first children. Yes. Yeah, 19 How many wives. Two wives. Um, and from his first uh from his first uh ch- children, um, some of them, one of them became one of the most uh, infamous uh uh terrorists, not terrorists, he was part of the purple gang in Detroit, 
uh, as you and you can ask your 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 wife's family about that. They were the terror of the Midwest, and they were mostly Jews. And uh, that's where my the Kivalevichs were there as well, changing their names to Keywell. Harry Keywell was my uh, wow. You look him up, Harry Keywell. He was there at one of it was like a it was like a it was the Detroit version of the St. Valentine's Day massacre. Um, I think he was the he was he was out there with the getaway car, whatever. They it was a double yadua that uh, you know you had the great um, Rabbi Yehuda David Levin, you know the 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 Rov from uh, yeah. that not, that he was the he was a very big Talmachacham. Uh, and meanwhile, you had, of course, the Kivalevichs that were there as well, turning Detroit into uh, a, a, a bargain basement Chicago. And Harry Keywell, you're looking him up now. So he is my, uh, uh, my great, uh, he is my uh, grandfather's brother. And he, along with the other Hebra uh, of the Purple Gang, I mean, they were like, you know, Elliot Ness was after them. You know what I'm saying? They were from the, they were from the. Did the, you write this? Because it says. Uh, Kiwa was sentenced to life in prison in Marquette, Michigan. He was eventually paroled at the age of 54. At, he was had a spotless prison record for 34 years before his life sentence was commuted. Uh, because of the involvement of his brother, he was released early for good behavior. I guess the brother the same thing. Yes, Harry so. married Sarah, Sarah Kiwell, Nay Gold, and lived out his days as a productive member of society a family man. About Chuve Mamish, about Chuve Mamish. So anyway, so I'm sure Bugsy, Siegel, and Mayor Lance, they were all good chaverim with my mein fetel. This is Mamish mein fetel. So, however, in the second zivug, Reb Dave Bear was Meilid Reb Yisroh Yishaya Maizeta, who was the Velozhenel, the Mirel, who died, as I've told the story, in the cholera epidemic when they forced him to stay in that hospital when he came to visit to Bimbaka Chela, etc. Kopan. What was that? I've told the story already. Not to me. Okay. All right. Okay. So, in, so in order for your, I, I know you had a, a, a comment on your on your blog about I don't know who this interviewer is I don't know what he's about although listen this is not my you know this is Golnish this is just a, a yichus. Have you seen a picture of Harry Kewell by the way? I have seen Harry's picture. He looks like you. <laughs> I hear. Slightly um, anyway. more handsome, but it's a younger picture. All right, listen. He was quite dapper. Listen, to, to be a gangster in the twenties, you had to you had to know how to dress in the zoot suit. It had to go with your Tommy gun. You yeah, had to go. Have a picture of his Matzea Matzeva here. Yeah, this is mamish. This is mamish my feto. Yeah. So anyway, so in his second Gilgal, my my elder Zayde was made with my grandfather, who was the Talmud Chacham of the of the family, and um, as I said. He was Maisel Nefesh during the, uh, it was 1917 or 1918 during the cholera epidemic. And he had Talmidim, uh, people, he was a Moira Iro in Lodz. And uh, he was a Dayan. And he had Talmidim, Muvakim, and some of them never were in the, uh, the hospital in Lodz, the cholera hospital. And he was, um, he, w- he went there. I don't know why. It, it was a bit of an 
but he felt he could go because he had to see what was going on to see what was happening. It could be it was a mashuachas from the uh, the Bezdin in, in Lodz to see how the Jews were doing there. He was a very big gazuntement. He had red hair, but he was more like my middle brother. He was six over six feet tall. They had a picture uh, about him from Purim where he's holding four people. He has two people on his shoulders and two people on his on his on on, on his hands. I call upon him. He was there a grisimench. And uh, and I, I would say again, listen from what we hear. And uh, unfortunately, as he as he turned to leave the hospital, he was accosted by the orderlies there, whoever was there, and it was told that once you've been exposed, you can't leave. And basically, he died in the Kaura Hospital. He was um, he was a, 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 a incredibly strapping, healthy Talmud uh, Chacham. Uh, you know, again, he was a uh, he was one on he was on the bed in the various they dinim in Lodz, and he died, and he died basically. Motam gaharikit. How many kids did he have? What? How many kids did he have? So there were a couple who died. He got married in eighteen ninety nine, uh, eighteen ninety eight, eighteen ninety nine, and there were only there were six or seven uh, children. Uh, and only two survived. My aunts and uncles were killed. And um, uh, his brother, Avremo, who, who, as I said, you know, saved him from that. Um, also, what, my father, of course, was only four years old when his father died. So Avremo, when my father came to Memphis, Avremo gave my father the greatest gift he could, which was he gave him his father. He told him about his father. He told him stories. He told him how he learned. He told him what he did. He told him how he was as a child. He told him stories about how he, you know, my, my great-grandfather had um, a concession where, you know, like a turnpike concession. So in order to get onto this road with the Agola, you had to pay. So it was of Avusta Sipur that when they put Yeshaya, my grandfather, so Yeshaya, when they put him there, uh, one day, he got so shaku in learning that basically everybody went for free, and uh, he never took that shteller again. I think my elder Zeta understood. There's no way he could be, <laughs> there's no way he could shtel zachzu. Anyway, my father took care of his uncle, Avremo. When Avremo uh, was never uh, diagnosed with cancer in the late 1950s, uh, Avremo's uh, son, uh, Louis, uh, came over, to, who I knew very well. Louis came over to uh, my father. My father's cousin. My father's first cousin, Louis, came over to him and said, Meyer, he said, the reason was Louis's, ma, Louis's wife, Goldie, was uh, it was she was uh, Emma Saklafta. She really couldn't be civil, the old man. She couldn't be civil of Remo. And as he was getting ill, there was no way he could take care. Uh, Goldie was civil having Lou of uh, in the house. So, um, I don't know if it's a mice of a similar bone, and we'll see. Hopefully, not. So, what happened was he asked his first cousin, Look, you're very new with my father, take him in, please. So, he spent his last years, his last months. Uh, in my father's house. He was dying of cancer. There, at that time, there was nothing they could do, but he spent his last months there. Now, my mother had just had a, um, a stillborn child, and she was already pushing, uh, she was pushing 50 at the time. And um, no, she was pushing the 40 at the time. And um, 
She had had a stillborn. And the doctorim were very nervous at that age that she should get pregnant again. Kolponim, skavein derots and elyoin, that there's also zayin on avlad, aibur, but she was very much bepachat that the baby, right. so uh, in November, 1959, uh, was the Soif Yom of Mamish, uh, before the Machla Mamish in Gahargit, Avremo asked my mother to come in. And he said to her, listen, I want to tell you, Zorgzaknisht, the kind will sein gesint, that it's going to be all right. Was he a Shemr Shabbos? Yes, yes, it was a Shemr Shabbos, yeah. Um, yeah, and he said, Zarkta the Kindle Zangas. And he said, A couple is Ain Bakosha. He must have given him a nomen of that he should give him my name. So, this this veteran, this Avremo, uh, my, my grand uncle, secured. Now, how did he know it was a boy? I don't know. <laughs> how did he know if it was Zangas? I don't know. That's a question whether he was whether he was in the sky or not. The Vets of Hayyutaychuk Gazit. That's how. Avremo becomes Avremo. And therefore, he was known as Avremo. I was Avremo. Now, the story has one more little prop to it. I wasn't born Gizint. I was born premature. And there was a big pachad that I wasn't going to make it. But uh, no, Avremo was Gerech. I mean, medicine was not what it was, but I made it through. Uh, the bris was late. Everything was late. But Baruch Hashem, good. Um, I was also born premature. There's something here, huh? There's something about these red premature guys. There's something wrong. I don't know. <laughs> I'll go upon him. The um, right. So the uh, my parents. It was such a baholo when I was born and this that they forgot to fill out a birth certificate with a name. Okay. So when I went to Eretz Yisro, I, I wanted to go to get my my passport to go to Eretz Yisro. So no. You have to have a passport. You need a birth certificate with a name on it. They can't say no name. They can't say right. baby boy. That's what it was in the Shelby County records. Baby boy, Kivilevich. So I gave my, I said, no, what's going to be your name? So I, it could have been anything. It could have been Thaddeus. It could have been Clark. It could have been, you know, Obadiah. It could have been, you know, it, it could have been Alice. But it was pushed to me that my name was going to be not Avram. And not a. I know. So you actually chose that name. So I chose that official name. That was my official name. I said, "This is what my father calls me. I'm called after my granduncle Avremo. I'm Avremo." So I I chose the name. I said, "Yeah, A V R A M E O." So this is that's, that's the story. So I right. It's not like I was saddled with Rabbi and I wanted to be Rabbi Yisuf after you. So okay, yes, you are with Avremo Kivovich. Now we have that story. We can just that's it. The hot dogs are cooking. I'm not having them today, but Lamaisa, we should we should remember that this program is brought to you by um, the incredible largesse and and chasodim of the A and H uh, Provisions Company, makers of the most succulent, incredibly tasting uh, sausages and uh, meat products. Um, I, again, it's done in the Mamish, I'll Just check it out. It's clearly something that um, no Jewish home that wants to be from the Eichleib also uh, should be without. And it's definitely supporting a, a great, great company and who, who are, in, in a sense, also supporting Rizcha Daraisa. So, before we go to I want to make a mechah, not against you. 
Um, because, but it's got, you always call me woke, right? That's what I don't call you woke. You woke is dripping out of every part of your body. The Biden administration and that they're letting Afghanistan go and that uh, the women of Afghanistan have been tremendously persecuted and suffer a great deal. They're suffering already and being persecuted already. And I think that uh, the American left um, is not which should be up in arms about this this uh, this retreat and um, and uh, the Soros, which will follow it, is giving Biden a pass because he's a Democrat and a leftist. They've been giving Biden a pass uh, from day one. They've been giving Biden a pass, and you know it, right? Yes, but this is the first time it has major ramifications. Uh, look, it, 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 it's look, it's it that there's. That if Trump was still in office, he would have done the same thing. But there have been tremendous mahos. But uh, so, so, so finally, right. you're waking up. Finally, you're waking up about the 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 Oil of your fans. You know the Oil Masheker of the Bechafer uh, support group. It's an Oil Masheker both ways. Look, uh, yeah, everything's on Masheker. What, what's not a Sheker? Yeah, but again, for, for, yeah, but to think necessarily that uh, you know, again, this uh, to be master the MS in order to uh, to push your own power. That is always something that's done. You know, I, I think this really touches on something else, which is really up until now, it's been a statistic game. It's been, you know, what do the numbers show? What do the science know? But there, are, there was a number that was released a number of years ago about life expectancy. Again, this is maybe before COVID was unleashed, obviously. But the numbers showed incredibly that a place where uh, people were living three and a half years longer, four years longer, uh, or maybe even more than, than other countries of similar GPS was Israel. That the state of Israel, uh, it was released. GDP. What did I say? Oh. You said GPS. Yeah, okay. I'm gonna, I, I guess I should edit that out, yes. But I, I, was the, I was the gross national product, GNP, right. The gross national product shows you where I'm going from. So the GNP of, 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 of similar countries where they all have access to health care, they have access to other things that perhaps they don't have to live in, 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 in drippy rainforests or terrible deserts. Um, yeah, Israel was outpacing that. And that was a report that um, was analyzed statistically from many, many ends. Uh, the Taub Center, I think, released it, and they had uh, um, this, uh, Rabbi, this Professor Weinrib who analyzed it. And again, the article, I think, underscores what's not happening in you know this, the world of COVID that we're living in, in terms of mortalities, hospitalizations, and antibodies, et cetera, et cetera. There's such a bilbo, you know, everybody can spin it any way they want. But I think this specific uh, statistical survey that came out with their analysis, it sounds glott. And what they came out with was not what most people would have thought, which is the amount of Haredim and religious people, the fact that Israel is primarily, even among the people who call themselves Chilonim, people who are uh, people of religion, people of, uh, of, uh, who care about God. They found that it isn't just because of a religious life and, and what a religious community does, a belief in the afterlife, the fact you don't take the stresses the same way. The factor that seemed to come out, and especially as you read the article, I know Rabbi Yosef, as I said it to you earlier, the difference between men and women. 
that there was a, lo- a smaller gap. We know women generally, of course, live longer. We know that from Chazal, the Thayer, and other places. And we know that it's been true in civil and, and, and even in the most advanced societies. Um, and the gap between women and men was much smaller in Eretz Yisrael than it is in other places. And therefore, the Terrets live longer. The Terrets they live longer, but not as not as longer than they do in other countries. So therefore, the women are not living as long. What's the pshat? Well, the women's life expectancy is still is still longer in Eretz Yes, the women are living longer, but the, the, gap, the gap is smaller. The gap is smaller. So in other words, it's a tevin the bria that women live longer. However, in Eretz Yisrael, men are, are are closer to women in their longevity. And the answer they came up with, which sounded, it's, 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 a, it's a hop, but it, it was indicated by the evidence, was, so the hop was that military service, that there's so much compulsory military service in Eretz Yisrael, that what that does, even though you would say, for Kert, there's so much stress, there's so much anxiety, there's bombs, there's people coming in from Lebanon, there's terrorists, there's, there's, there's tunnels, right? You have to push yourself to the maximum. But what that does is, Rabbi Yosef, it actually allows that person to create the discipline he needs not to take the extra piece of liver, to actually watch what he eats and how he acts, to retain, even in the 40s and 50s of his life, uh, habits that are in line with a person who is, is, is in military shape. And that led to, to, to more Arichas Now, it doesn't explain the, the plethora of, I don't know if it's a plethora, but the, the, amend, the amount of uh, you know, centenarians that we had uh, recently with Rebel Yoshev Zatzal and Rav Steinman Zatzal, Rav Shach and Rav Scheinberg, et cetera. <laughs> they didn't go to the military, but, but it does seem this incredible Zach, right? So, what's your response to it? I've been telling my family story in the Taub Center. Uh, you got you have to have something to say now. I've given you plenty of time for you to become the star of the show. Uh, you know, I don't know exactly how life expectancy works, but I, I believe they did mention something about religiosity in the article. Right, that was a factor as well, but it wasn't considered as strong a factor. Yeah, I'm not sure why. I don't think that most Israelis stay in shape for the military after they do their three years. Maybe the fact that they do their three years is, is meaningful throughout their life. But uh, I don't think a lot of Israelis don't do Miluim anymore. If they do Miluim, they're not necessarily in shape to do Miluim. So uh, I, don't, I, 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 would, I found it somewhat surprising to be the factor. I would say that people have meaning in life and when it has to do a study and see other countries which have alternative meanings in life. Uh, Meaning life gives purpose to life, gives a drive to life, gives a will to live. And if there's will to live, people probably live longer. That's my hunch. Right. Again, it seems like, and our good friend Harry Maverillis uh, uh, had a blog about this where he was comparing and using from other studies about uh, other countries, uh, whether it was uh, Hindu countries or Christian countries that also had a strong a strain of religiosity. It seemed there was something about and there's no surprise to us that, that, that Medina Yisrael, with its emuna in Taira, and the moon of the Rabbani Shalom and the Tairas. I don't know the moon of Taira. You know, you mentioned Rav Kook. There's Rav Kook's, uh, Rav Kook's thing that they think that Zionism is a form of tshuva. I, I, don't, I don't necessarily buy it, but for argument's sake, I can mention it, that, uh, you know, the Zionist um, endeavor 
it's something which gives life meaning, even for non-religious Jews. Right, but again, that would be true even for anything that people are passionate about. I think people are not passionate about Muslims anymore. Who's passionate about anything in America, in Europe? I, what about your woke friends? Aren't they passionate about uh, <clears throat> pushing their agenda? and fake What? Fake passion. It's fake passion. So even the push for inclusivity and identity politics, et cetera, all that is fake passion? I think so. What about all the, what about the, uh, the, the marching in the street and the, and the chanting and no, no justice, oh. no freedom? Fun. I see. So you think so? Why do you think I'm a leftist? I'm not a leftist. Well, you, you you definitely enjoy their accolades, right? No. No? I don't get enough of them to enjoy them. <laughs> you don't feel that you were fishing for them at all in any way, no, shape? No, if I was, now, if I'm fishing for them, I'm doing a very lousy job and should never become a fisherman. Okay. Well, this part of you that doesn't want to to, to throw in with the Shmuyankowitz and everybody else, right? You don't want to throw in with, you know, with with the complete, um, you know, Chovevechem. Some right? guy, some guy on Facebook today attacked an old post of mine. He said that you know, Chaim of Vadia, who's one of my big nemesis. We ever speak about him? Uh, you, you probably have. I can't say he, that he, I. He, he's like one of the young Kelvitz clever. Uh -huh. So uh, he said you know, that uh, uh, during the COVID, he said women could go to the mikvah in their, in their bathtub. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I said, yeah, we talked about this with the, yeah. the with the David. We talked about the the secret of the Jew and stuff like that. We talked so, that, so this guy today started. I don't know why he came up with this. Now he started attacking me and saying, "Well, the Ramamos we the Raisa, you don't need no, don't need uh, rainwater, and you don't need our Bohemsa." So I said, "Are you a Karite? We don't we don't learn Torah Shmixav without Torah Shabbat." Rabbanan said something. Rabbanan said something. Besides, all those people hold it's their raisa. So um, now the leftists don't like me so much either. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, they. But at least they, you're out there. I mean, you've got you've got your uh, you've got your cloud print. I don't know what you call it now, but okay. somehow there's 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 bechafar. All over the place, and I'm sure that they can pilfer whatever they want uh, from there in order to use it. Let's talk about this. I mean, I, I actually am a believer when statistics are are uh, are dealt with in a psychological fashion, where they actually ran various models of it. What I would want to suggest is that okay, no uh, mandatory military service, but I remember when I was growing up, there was the president's uh, physical fitness program. I don't know if you remember that. But that was something that was very big in the 60s, and all the kids should be part of it. For example, how about kids that were part of scouts, kids who uh, part of uh, who went to uh, the type of boot camps uh, that they did in, uh, in the summer or that they had? Maybe in the yeshiva belt, which is really our audience. Look, let, let's face it. You know, I I had a number of people been li listen to the program. You know, I do this this podcast on criminal justice reform, and then I do this podcast. And someone uh, who I'm very close to said, "I can't believe it was the same person." Right? You know, I I I, I didn't understand mm -hmm. half of the words you were saying in that show with that other rabbi that you were sort of like arguing and joking around with. So. So let's let's realize that who our audience is. Our audience, you know, I'm, we're happy to have all your lefty friends. I have a yeshiva audience. So now tell me what does that do with longevity? So 
what I'm saying is, let's, let's learn a lesson from this. Well, one thing perhaps we should be mamayat but it's not, here's the point. We need to insert it at an early age. We need to insert something, uh, whether it's more physical activity, uh, but it isn't just go play basketball and play handball. There seems to be something about the discipline and the forced discipline of the military. Can we approximate? I understand. You had your own kasha on your own self. Uh, Rabbi Steinman, Rabbi Shach, you know, uh, 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 all the uh, Rabbi Yoshi. They never did. I doubt they ever exercised a day in their lives. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, well, one of them was a big exerciser who lived to be 100, as you know I'm talking about, or Vosner. Vosner was, sw- he was a big swimmer his whole life because, as you know, he was nitzel by swimming. He was able, he and his wife jumped off the boat uh, whenever that was, in 1934, whatever it was, and they swam like uh, a number of miles uh, to the shore. And uh, there was a whole Shila. She was, she was all uh, not Sanuadik because she was all wet. And he went to go find someplace. And even Dafka went to a different place because he didn't want to be Magali, his wife, in that way. And they found someone who saved them. There's a whole story of how the Shaved Levy and the Shaved Levy was committed up until that point, uh, from, from that point on, uh, to Mamish, uh, to, uh, to, to swim. But I'm going to bring a ride from the Shaved Levy if I cared. We know the Shaved Levy spoke about um, his connection to the Rosh Hashiva, who unfortunately, again, one of these young, incredibly powerful people who died so young, and of course, I'm talking about Rav Meir Shapiro. So Rav Meir Shapiro saw uh, Rav Vosner, um, that there was something was going on with the lights, that they didn't have the electricity working, and he was out there, um, you know, straining with a candle, trying to hazard over something. And Rav Meir Shapir was so despoiled that, you know, unlike the other Bachrim, that he didn't say, this is this. He did whatever he could to learn. He said, I, it gave him a bracha that his eyes would never, and that he Taka didn't need glasses. You look at the pictures of him, you know, he Taka. Opposite Rabbi Rudamin. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, yes. So, anyway, the point though is, brachas work, Siata Nishmaya works. So Rabbi Yoshev, who also had the bracha of, who was his Masavar Kedushin, who was his Shadchin, right? Who was the one who was Meshadachim to Rabbi Yilavin Zatochtel? Rabbi Avram Yitzchok HaKoyen Kuk Zeicher Tzadik Himself didn't live to be so old. What? He didn't live to be so old. Rabbi Kuk Alein Nebuch was soivel from cancer, that's true. And he looked geferlach. It was, you could see the pictures of Rabbi Kuk beside Yomav, that cancer was eating his kishkas out. If you look at the Hadras Ponim, the beauty of Rabbi Kuk as a young man, and you take a look at how the cancer ravaged him, it's such a Rachmonis Nebuch. But he could still give brachas. He could still give brachas arichas yomim. And he gave a brach of arichas yomim to Ravnata as well. Really? Yeah, really. So, Ravnata is Ravnata was must be a very young boy. Where did they meet? But he gave Ravnata Abroch. So the point is, is that Ravnata. yes, as much as I like the empirical sociological proofs, and I think we should employ them, I don't deny the fact that there are going to be people. Are you the way you always? They're going to have this who's Rav Steinman, I'm sure, was not. Rav Steinman ran away from Militaire, right? Rav Steinman, they're little crazy, you know, he was evacuated uh, from Militaire. However, we first of all, and, and we know that the Rabbi Shalom has 
Right. The other thing about them, of course, is um, is that they that they come out gunish right? They mamish, right? You think he had a cholesterol problem? There was well, what did he eat? When did he even eat meat? When did he even put anything into his system? Rabbi Yosher, Rabbi Steinman, and the others. So they're different. But the rest of us, the rest of the yeshiva guys with yeshiva type, let's take the rischa advice and say there's got to be some way to either increase a demand for physical exercise and demanding the guys be in shape. And maybe it, it, it can, it'll pay incredible benefits. A benefits, first of all, uh, of being a healthier person, of, of being mamayat ba'echel. You know, I saw a beautiful part from Rav Schwab, which Baruch Hashem, I was mechavent to three quarters of it. Um, you know, the Rambam says in Ilchaz Deus that a person uh, should always uh, be mamayat uh, and should go up to three quarters of his uh, being full. Right. So it's interesting that Ibaze, uh, <laughs> what's the savota? You know, the chalta v'savota. The whole pshat is is that l'fi de'al deos a mensh dalf fear and anders. Right, a person should should stop that. And yet the Torah says v'savota. So Rav Schwab said, and Baruch Shakivanti with Varov that. If you if you can mentally understand how important that is, then you talk a feel you talk a feel savua at three quarters. So what happened was right. So that's what Schwab's diak is the In other words, it's not the guf. He holds the nafsha is the nefesh a ruchni is tikazach. And therefore, the nefesh is taka savua because the nefesh understands besechel as mebrachtes nisht. So Mimela, when, when we were machmer alatzmenu on a kezayis, although that might even be less, or kezayis, it definitely is maz brashitas rev Yehuda, it, talk as a, it took, could taka be a kiyum in some ways of sviya uh, daraisa, at least on some level, to the point that the Rebbein Shalom should be mavater, as the malachim asked, why are you mavater to call Yisrael? Because we are betazeh. So all I'm saying is, Rabbi Yosef, that is something that, although you can hear a schmooze about it, nothing replaces the the the, the pakid or what do they call him? The, uh, the what do they call the, the the lieutenant? What do they call him? There's a word for them. Mefaked. The mefaked. If the mefaked is there in the yeshivas, I would say even in the yeshivas that you also visit and other things, this would be a segula for arichas yovet. No, vuzuk there. It's not. It's a beautiful idea. No, it's not going to happen. I think in the places they have a, probably do have basketball hoops, and the Sivishi places they have nothing. So, so in so both places, this is Nishka's, it's Nishka's, it's Nishka Nick. The, the, what do you expect to do, though? What we expect them is that, that again, give me 10, give me 20, give me those jumping jacks. You know, right? you know what I'm saying? Right? Is, is that possible? It's possible, it's not going to happen. Right? And, and if I eat Kumta Rain, I remember the way Rav Shmuel, you know, uh, Rav Shmuel Birnbaum would be waiting there at the door at uh, nine o'clock with the Shmeichel, and uh, people would come in, and everybody was, Moira got from the Masmid from Flatbush, the Gresta Masmid that I ever saw, really. Uh, again, Rav Mordechai Luri and Rav Shmuel Birnbaum. You know where Mordechai Luri is. No. From Nair Yisrael. Okay. The two greatest mass medium I ever saw, but um, but 
but Rav Shmuel Birnbaum, my Rosh Hashiva there in, in Mir, would stand by the door. And, uh, you know, if somebody was coming in late, I mean, the, you, you'd sit there because he was there, right? And he was there for afternoon Seder, everything on time, everything. Okay. He used to take a walk after his heart attacks. He would take a walk. And I would see him all the time in the street taking his walks. And he'd walk mamish like a soldier. Did you ever see Rav Shmuel walk? Did you ever see his, the, 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 the power of his stride? Um, anyway, what I'm saying is, Rav Shmuel maybe could have commented, mm, putting on some weight over there, right? Because, you know, the waistline is like right? There's something going on here, right? There's, and the, the, the mashkiach could also, they could work on it in, in, in a loving way to get people into that type of shape. Listen, a, a couple of years, it works, you know? Um, and, and, and maybe that's, in some ways, as much as we, we hate the army. We hate what it what it's done. We hate the way it it it, it, it deprives uh, young girls from their frumkeit and, and, and creates this this attitude of of hefkerus. Maybe this this uh, report gives us something that we can today. I know if you know the A. B. Rottenberg song, you know the ninth man on the team. The ninth man on the on which team? On the baseball team? Yes, you know the Rebbe. Whose the kids the whole year were listening to him to Lagba Omer, and then he uh, the, one of their their team uh, broke a leg or something, and the Rebbe substitute, and they won the game, and then everybody started learning for the rest of the year. You're right. In, engaging in in, 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 in in that's always something. Although I have to tell now, you, wait, there's a there's a sequel to that song. Let's hear the sequel. The sequel is 20 years later. The guys who lost, the guys from Bensonhurst, I guess the, they were BTA. They challenged the guys who won, the yeshiva guys, to uh, a rematch. And um, at the rematch, the guy, the yeshiva guys, all learned to call and they're all fat and out of shape. <laughs> they, uh, whereas the guys in Benson, they stayed in shape. So they losing like twenty to one at the, uh, the and then uh, and then the Rebbe comes and he says, "Let me pinch hit," and he's like, you know, his eighties, whatever, old and infirm, and he gets to the plate and a downpour starts. And that's in my face because that means the game is the game is called. So officially, it was not a loss, right? So then, <laughs> the end of the song is that the next day, the entire team signed up to the local kosher gym in Lakewood. So uh, this is this is a, this is a Shahoyu, or this is no, this is, no, it's a Zayn Ronberg song. No, Zayn Fantasia, I hear. But, but at, you know, that's uh, the, the, there is some sort of cognition that yeah. Um, we have to do things about uh, our health and our um, physique, and our physical strength. And I do work out with a trainer once or twice a week. So I hope I Good. Yeah. I hope, I hope you're paying him enough. Yeah, I'm paying him a lot. Yeah. I'm sure you are. Yeah. <laughs> he has I, to put up with you in, in many ways. <laughs> yeah. I have weights and I have this uh, a bicycle and whatever. I understand. So, uh, want to have you around for a long time. Look, listen, but it's but I but nothing really replaces that gears of the Yankasa. That's what you really see. The gears of the Yankasa is so is, is so important. Yeah, if you were right. Well, the problem is that when I was young, uh, uh, the only team sport I played was uh, hockey. Yes, we've talked about your hockey, uh, your hockey uh, fanatic. I never got into any physical fitness. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll see. I'll call upon him. 
um, is, you know, I, you know what, maybe now that COVID's over, uh, we can uh, meet each other uh, in, in the gym. And uh, yeah, that would be somewhat, of, we'll see if, if that's equal footing or not. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Take care, my friends. We'll see you next time. Take care, everybody. Have a good week. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.